1: Welcome to Running on Ice, the coolest community in freight. I'm your host Mary O'Connell, bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, and everything happening in the cold chain world. Not only is there the coolest show in freight, but there's also Running on Ice, a newsletter that could not be colder. You can subscribe to that on FreightWaves.com/slash Running on Ice. Today we are joined by Royce Newbauer, founder and CEO of SFL Company. Is welcome back, Royce. How are you doing this time?
0: Doing very well. How about yourself?
1: Not too bad. I'm actually pretty excited to get into the topic that we have today. So, uh, my background comes in agriculture, which is kind of different from produce, and so you know I kind of understand how some of the ag, ag rates are set. Um, but we're going to get into produce rates today, and I'm really excited about it. So. It's a hot topic. Everyone's moving. I think we're kind of what or in harvest season for like the Illinois, Indiana, like the Upper Midwest situation right now.
0: Yeah, the Midwest is really starting to move. Um, we're here in Michigan, and, and we're starting to see things really start to pick up. So, this is a good time of year to be shipping produce.
1: I mean, you know, it's kind of the, it's kind of the time for produce. My strawberries went down at the like my strawberry prices went down at the grocery store, and they look real nice. So I'm pretty excited about it. Um, but I guess when it comes to peak season for produce, cause it's not a traditional peak season, like we have, like we'll see in a couple of months with retail peak season around the holidays. So it's, it's, it's a little different cause you don't have as, you don't have as much competition, but you do in a different way. Um, so how do you guys even begin to determine the pr- produce pricing rates? Um, is it kind of like it goes off the USDA or is it something that the entire, um, community and everyone who moves right in it kind of sets those rates?
0: Uh, the, the, community sets the rates, right? The market is dictated by supply and demand. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, you have historical data that you're going to use year over year, over year to kind of give you, a, an idea of where the market is going to be or where it should be. Um, what we try to track is, is more weather trends going into a season to, to make sure certain areas of the country are set up for a good harvest um, obviously certain s- storms can change that. Uh, if you get a cold snap too late in here in Michigan and then we've got multiple days of frost, obviously the yield's not going to be as strong that year, right? So that usually happens early or late spring as, as crops are starting to grow and seeds are starting to, to, to bud. Um, if you can get through that part of the season, you tend to set yourself up for a pretty good, good crop year, right? So, we're, wa- we're monitoring that months in advance before any harvest takes place. So we get a good idea of what a certain market is going to look like, and then we'll start to prepare our assets in that market um, several months in advance as we're talking to our retailers or our farmers or, or our, our manufacturers in whatever market we're going to transition to. The nice part about right now is I think it sets up well for all retailers uh, because you're pulling product from all over the country. Um, California obviously is still shipping as they always do. And, you know, Mexican crops are coming, you know, directly through, you know, Texas and parts of Nogales still. Um, then you have, you know, some Florida crops that are, they're peaking up. You've got peaches that are, that are coming out of, um, parts of the Southeast and you've got your apple crops that are getting ready here in Michigan and, and, you know, New York and States like that. Then you've got your other green veg and your corn crops that are starting to pop. So, I think as a retail consumer, you're getting fresher produce because it's more regionalized and it's coming from multiple areas Um, where at certain times of the year, we're very heavily reliant on California or Mexico or or imported crops, right? So um, this is a perfect time of year to be be shopping for produce. I think it's the best produce time of year to buy. Um, But as far as shipping rates are concerned, it really is dictated on on certain markets spiking or, or losing a crop, which will make a different market spike, right? So if you have a bad growing region, um, it's going to obviously depress that market and carriers are going to be stuck and they can't get out, so rates drop. Whereas if you have a booming market and there's just more product coming out than there are trucks in that area, you're going to see freight rates go up. Um, so when we're looking at contracts, we… Obviously, look at historical data. We're looking at potential crop yields, and you know we'll bid seasonal produce more in a more regionalized area on on that that market year, based off what that market looks like. It's going to you, um, so you, you can kind of dial that in a little bit more detail than you can on like say a California contract. If I'm on a year round California contract and I'm shipping California to the East Coast or California to the Midwest. And all of a sudden, the Midwest crop crush just gets crushed. Well, that's going to change things in California because the buying is going to go up out there, and you're, you're going to see more long haul than than regional movements. And that can really, you know, impact rates. Um, and conversely, if I've got a lot of curators set up in the Midwest, and all of a sudden some some storms come through and destroy, you know, you know, some tonnage in, in different fields and different harvest opportunities are. Fuels get flooded that are shipping cabbage of things of that nature. Then that market becomes depressed. And now those, those trucks start to make less revenue because there's just not nearly as much crop to yield. So we have to watch it um, months in advance to see what the yields are going to look like. And then as harvest time comes, you, you're still monitoring because certain old, certain weather patterns can really affect that day-to-day shipping category. You know, we might be contracted to pick 10 loads of a specific commodity and, they can't get into the fields that day. Um, where if it's, say, tree fruit, that's picked, it's stored, it's already in-house. Those those aren't going to fluctuate j- as much once you know what the yields look like. You're generally pretty good to ship those commodities. But if you're shipping berries and the fields are flooded or you're shipping certain green veg, that can affect that daily harvest, which can affect our daily contracts. So you have to have some flexibility there. And most carriers that ship produce understand that. Um and they understand that there's an ebb and flow to actually picking something that's live and shipping it that day versus something that's manufacturing and been in a freezer for weeks, right? So um, produce contracts are fun. It, it is a roller coaster ride, um, but you try to price them out to where you're going to win some days, you're going to lose some days, but at the end of the day, everybody, you know, as long as everybody is fair with each other, the carrier should be able to make some money. The broker should be able to make some money and the retailer should feel good about the delivery and the service they're getting in the end.
1: I, uh, I like that. So basically it's a lot more scientific than the, just pulling out the farmer's almanac and seeing what's going to happen that day. A
0: little bit more. When I first started, I guess that's how we did it. Uh, Technology is a little bit more advanced today and, and uh, we can, we can predict um, a little bit better than we used to, but in the end it, it depends on the weather. It depends on mother nature and, and, what she wants to do on a particular season and, and going into that growing season. Um, obviously we've had some very impactful storms over the past you know, 20 plus years, just a couple years ago in Texas uh, with the great freeze that came through and destroyed, I got millions of pounds of citrus. Um, that affected us greatly. You know, We had some large citrus contracts in that market um, that disappeared overnight. And now you're trying to import and find out of Florida, just get anything you, you can get your hands on, um, and we had carriers that were, you know, scratching and clawing to make pennies that year because there just wasn't enough volume coming out to to keep them alive. And you know, we saw markets kind of spike after that because carriers were going out of business because so much tonnage was destroyed, right? And you know, that's the sad part about shipping produce or shipping in in you know food in this country. But you also have your peaks. You know, there are times where carriers have you know, had way more opportunities than trucks available in the market and they're able to take advantage of it and kind of make back some of that money they lose during the downtime. So there's an ebb and flow to it and you have to know that you're going to ride the roller coaster and and just be ready to go.
1: Yeah. Like you said, it's the very much the, um, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, but hopefully your wins outweigh your losses because that's, I it's honestly, I feel like that's most of logistics and trucking because it's, there's some days where you know you crushed it and other days, well, it feels like you got your face kicked in a couple dozen times. <laughs>
0: That's the absolute truth. That's the absolute truth.
1: Um, so I guess when it comes, one of the things that I'm curious of, because I I remember like having to check the dew point in the morning for soybeans to be able well, to be harvested from the field because apparently beans can't really get wet. Like if the dew point's too high, it's a no harvest day and it just sucks. So um, it's, you know happy to know that that continues on throughout various other crops but one of the things i'm curious about cuz like i said i've never really moved produce that much um how when you go to price out a contract is it is it like a different price for like potatoes versus onions versus strawberries or is it just like priced for we pick this up because at like a warehouse like you said with apples and tree fruit because it's already been picked and we just pick it up or is it a price for Um, that versus just picking it up in the field or is each different commodity have a different price structure that goes with it?
0: I wouldn't necessarily say each different commodity has a different price structure, but there are commodity groupings that definitely are priced higher. Um, One example I can use is we ship cherries. We we always price those higher because the value of that truck load of product is a lot higher than a load of potatoes. A shipment of potatoes might cost $10,000, a shipment of Organic cherries is going to be $150,000. So we need to make sure we have, well, I don't want to say better equipment, but newer equipment, loading those cherries, pulling those cherries. Carrier has to have enough insurance to cover the cost in case there was a damage. Um, Most carriers don't have $150,000 of cargo insurance. Most are going to be at $100,000. So that kind of shrinks our carrier pool for those types of shipments. Um, if I'm shipping figs, which we do, $300,000, 400000 a shipment at times, I mean, you're rarely ever going to ship a full truckload of them, but if you get a half a truckload, it's going to be around 200000 So you have to make sure you have drivers that are super professional, that they're going to check the product as much as possible at the shipping point, which we've talked about in the past. Um, but they also have the right equipment um, and that's maintained properly, and you know, those guys tend to cost a little bit more. And especially the ones that are carrying two, three, four hundred thousand in cargo insurance, they're used to shipping commodities that cost that much. And they don't tend to ship those commodities if they're getting claims, right? Because they're not going to last very long. So we will price those commodities out. And we've we've asked some of our retailers to segment those commodities out separately um, if they're going to ask us to price them in an RFP. Um you know, strawberries used to be that way. They're not so much anymore. The strawberry market's kind of been flooded. Um, there are no more spring-loaded trailers out there, at least I hope they're not. So you can pretty much load strawberries on the same carrier you're going to load lettuce with. Um, onions and potatoes tend to go for less uh, just because that market and that industry is known to be a little bit cheaper and search for the cheapest truck, so to speak. Uh, but carriers know once they're in that market, if you're in Idaho or, or even upstate Minnesota at times, and you're pulling potatoes, you're going to get what you get. It just is what the market is. Sometimes that market spikes and, and those guys are getting paid a lot of money to move that product, but very rarely. Um, so we don't necessarily focus on a specific commodity grouping. We do a ton of green veg. We do a lot of citrus. We do a lot of guacamole and avocados. We do a lot of cherries. We're moving a lot of apples. Um, Pretty much we hit every category uh, when it comes to the produce world because we're we're working out of every market. Uh, but you will price potatoes a lot different than you price cherries, I promise you that.
1: I had no idea that things were so expensive.
0: Figs are ridiculous. It's, it's nuts. It's
1: nuts. $400,000? That seems.
0: A couple of years ago, that's where we were getting seeing prices hit. But we've had scenarios where I've seen tomatoes because of a storm that'll go through Florida and all of a sudden a crop will that was selling for thirty thousand dollars a truckload the next day selling for 75 80 90 because there's just such a shortage for a small time period you know it might last two three four weeks but the, the brokers take advantage of it. your produce brokers are going to take advantage of that your shippers are going to take advantage of that when they can't. Um, I've literally had shipments on the road where I've got calls saying hey, Slow that truck down. I'll pay you more to keep it on the truck because the market's rising and I just pulled it away from who was supposed to get it and I'm going to sell it to somebody else for more. Like, well, hold on a second. Now, <laughs> when it got on the truck, it was only worth 30. So if there's a problem, I'm not paying more than 30. You know, so you're asking me to slow the truck down. And those are your produce brokers for the most part, which we work with a lot. Uh, but if you're buying direct or shipping direct for a large scale retailer, you will run into in situations like that. Um, but the produce world is a little bit different versus shipping for a retailer and a produce broker versus a, you know, a, a a manufacturer of goods, somebody that makes sauces, dips and things like that. Um, sometimes those commodities, which you don't think of as produce, but they're made with produce, you know, the actual raw material might not have cost that much, but when you're mixing multiple raw materials and the packaging all together, that load just went from, you know, probably a $40,000 worth of product to $130,000 shipment because after they take all their costs associated with making that, the price goes up. Um, and we need to know what those prices are. So we're putting the right trucks with the right insurance on each ship.
1: I can only imagine how much a full truckload of fig Newtons is when,
0: when they're pretty cheap at the store, right? Uh, there's not much fig in that fig Newton is what I'm telling
1: I know it, that, that will still just be like, what, um, but all right, so right now, like we said, we've kind of got the Midwest. What are those hot markets? what are the next up and coming markets? Um, you know what's kind of going on in the produce market right now? Uh, are, I'm, I'm assuming Florida's pretty much kind of done because you know it's it's done. Um, so is it Florida's pretty much
0: done melon seasons down there's pretty much done. yeah, you, you know, your midwest over the next couple of months is going to be, Slowly getting better, right? And it's it carries all the way through almost Thanksgiving with pumpkins. Um, So from now until you know after Thanksgiving, the Midwest is going to be a good spot to to, to be pulling product. Um, California always stays consistent. When the Midwest starts to spike, like it is now, and next month, you'll see a little bit of a drop off out there. Um, But what we're seeing nationally is a pretty flat market. Um, There's really no area that that's I would say super hot. Um, but there's no area that's super cold either. It's pretty consistent. We're seeing consistent volume out of Texas. We're seeing consistent volume out of California. I'm seeing a little bit come out of, of, of the like I said. Um, and then our Midwest, we do a lot in the Midwest, uh, a ton here in Michigan. And you know, that market is starting to really rise for us. And, and it's been a very good, I'd say very solid, uh, produce season so far. Um, Freight rates obviously are depressed year over year, which everybody's experiencing that. Um, So we do our best to make sure our carriers are are not taking the brunt of that. Um, We're the ones that usually take the hit when markets drop like this. Um, and, And at the end of the day, we're trying to give consistent service to our shippers, our retailers and our carriers, right? so. Even though our our rates are getting dinged up a little bit, we don't want our carriers to feel that as much. So we'll we'll tend to eat a little bit more during this time, and and just we know that, like I said, it's a roller coaster, and we're probably going to be in this depressed market for another year. Um, and it'll climb out, and when it climbs out, we don't want our carriers destroying our retailers, right? So we want to make sure that they're fair and they're treating our retailers fair and our shippers fair. So we tr- do our best to try to treat them fair in, in this type of market, but all in all, it's it's been a pretty good growing season. Um, you know, California had a slow start with all the rains that they had over the winter, uh, but it's it's steadily gotten better. Um, and the midwestern crops, especially here in Michigan, are looking really strong.
1: As a uh, as a basic white girl, self proclaimed basic white girl, um, apple picking season and pumpkin si- pea season, it does make me very happy. We have a little tradition. There we go apple picking and then buy a pumpkin and then make a pumpkin pie out of it because. Honestly, once you have like a freshly roasted pumpkin pie, going back to the can just—it's not it. It's not it, you know,
0: I, I prefer the apple pie. But here in Michigan, we've got pumpkins galore, apples. I mean, it's like the number two or three pr- apple producing state in the country. Um, so a lot of uh, vineyard apple apple oriented um things going on in the fall here. Cider mills. Uh, my wife loves to go to the cider mill primarily for the donuts, not the cider. But yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a great time of year. Um, this, the, going into fall is kind of my favorite time of year, anyway. And I love to see our, our Midwestern crops, you know, being so strong this year because you know fundamentally it helps the state, but it also helps a lot of these over the road drivers get home, work regionally, uh, gives them a chance to be around their family more, and, and we see a lot of that because sometimes that can bump up the cost out of California, uh, just depending on. What the crops are doing throughout the country, but it, we're seeing a nice balance this year. I don't think anybody um, is is really having any issues covering freight in any market right now. Uh, but relatively strong shipping opportunities too. So um, it looks like you know the prices are going to be pretty fair for everybody across the board in, in a pretty consistent season. And you know, knock on wood, we are getting into hurricane season, so that can affect things very quickly. we haven't seen anything yet. So, you know, hopefully it's a mild season and and we can have just a nice consistent uh, fall.
1: That was one of the questions I had. So like when you make your pricing, how do you account for hurricane season? Do you just cross your fingers and hope it's not that bad? Or is it kind of by the time hurricane season starts in the Southeast, you know, harvest season's kind of done. So all of your freight has kind of moved up to like the Midwest and above so there's not that much concern of it. Um, but I just didn't know how much that played into it or not.
0: It doesn't really play into it. I mean, it's, it's, it's so hard to price off of natural disasters, right. Um, but you are mindful of it and you know that it can flip a market and the drop of a hat or just, just like that. Um, you know, we have in any of our contracts, there's force, majeure written in there for the shipper's sake and our shake, our sake. Um, so, if something happens you know not just a hurricane a pandemic um at some point in time you've got to call that out we've only done it once or maybe twice in our in our history and once was with covid um and then obviously our shippers called it on us with the texas freeze where they lost so much product there was just nothing they could offer us um so it it goes both ways um you know but you are mindful of it when you're when you're Bidding on a certain market that is in an area where there could be some natural disasters that they're typically prone to those, um, you're you're thinking about it and what's what happens if that does occur, right? And where where is the next market product will be pulled from? So you're kind of planning or trying to forecast around that, uh, but you're not necessarily upping your rate in case something happens. You can't really do that. You'll just price yourself out of the market. Uh, but if, if a disaster occurs in a specific market, you know gets affected, and, and, it, and this is the thing during hurricane season, it's not that we're pulling product out of that market that's gonna affect the market. What happens is that market gets hit so heavily that government funding starts to kick in and they're, they're sending goods down, whether it's ice, water, food goods, that the cost to ship those goods down, goes so high that we lose all our regular carriers that are shipping our Midwest crops. So we've had storms in the South where, you know, FEMA kicks in and all of a sudden truck drivers are making $15 a mile to drive water to Florida or to, you know, New Orleans or whatever. And all the trucks that we're shipping our Midwestern crops are gone. So what does that do to our market, right? And we're not bidding things at $15 a mile. We can't compete with that. So that's where, you know, a a situation like that would, everybody would have to work together to figure out, all right, how do we get this crop moved? How do we get it to the retailer? And if a natural disaster caused that problem, you can't really hold the carrier accountable for, for A, helping out their fellow America because people are starving down there, but B, making a profit for once. You know, so it is, we are, we are a capitalistic economy. So I can't blame them for taking advantage of that situation. Uh, But in the end, we end up working together with our retailers to to just get the product there any way we can at the best possible rate we can. But that's really how those situations occur and affect markets. It's not necessarily if you're pulling product out. Sometimes you're just taking product in so people can survive, which in the end needs to be done. You, You know, so it has to just... You just have to collaborate when those things happen. I mean, I go back to COVID and our contracts were upside down overnight. All right. But the retailers weren't sure what was gonna happen. We weren't sure what was gonna happen. So we were breaking even, breaking even, breaking even. All of a sudden we started losing on everything. And we could only sustain those losses so long. So then it's just phone calls. Guys, here's here's transparency. We're gonna show you what we're paying. We know you need to move it, but we can't bleed on every single shipment. So we renegotiated most of our contracts about halfway through that first year. And, you know, we were able to grow with our retailers through the process because we were transparent. We were open about what was going on and, um, our service levels did not diminish. Um, our team kept working. We were able to go to remote real quick. Um, and then when we see natural disasters or hurricanes happen, you know, we're quick to react, you know, whether it's, we're helping out on the FEMAN if we can, or if we're talking to our retailers in the Midwest that are dealing with the pains of those trucks going south, well, how do we cover their product? How do we make sure that they're they're getting taken care of? Um, but at the same time, the carrier is taking advantage of an opportunity to survive and grow.
1: Yeah. As someone who used to move flatbread, flatbed freight, uh, this time of year was always my least favorite year because it was when I was it was a big push to try and get all the equipment back. And it was I got got by FEMA quite a few times, and I was like literally name your price. Like I'll pay you ten thousand dollars for this, and they were like no, no, because I still have to pull permits for this, and FEMA just says go. And I was like, but 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 what about like twelve thousand? And they were like no. So I do not envy that. I mean, obviously, I cannot fault anyone for going and helping and doing everything they can. But as having been in that position where you're like, uh, FEMA, but like, I can't be mad at you.
0: <laughs> you can't compete with the US government's budget.
1: Exactly. Um, so slightly related to what we've talked about today, it's in, the, it's in the produce food world. We already know where you stand on cereal soup and all of that. We've heard your best dad jokes. So if you could only eat one color of food for the rest of your life, what color would you choose? I,
0: that's an interesting question. I, I've been asked this before, and, and my answer is the same as it was before, and I, and I don't think it's a good answer, but whatever color steak is, that's what i eat. eating. Whether that's a brown or a blackened, it doesn't matter. Steak is my color.
1: Okay, so like the brownish, blackish, grilled, the grilled
0: color. Yes, medium rare, pinkish inside. That's exactly why I want
1: I absolutely love that. Um, I would also love that as well um, if I could only eat that. Um, So if anyone wants to reach out to you about maybe some great steak recommendations or if they need help with their produce pricing, where can they find you outside the show? Um,
0: Great steak recommendation. Jeff Ruby Steakhouse in downtown Cincinnati. Hands down the best steakhouse in the country. Um, and then they can reach me at www.sflcompanies.com or Royce at sflcompanies.com.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: You can catch other episodes of Running on Ice right here on FreightWaves TV, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Need mean we're running on ice news? No sweat. Subscribe to the newsletter on FreightWaves.com slash running on ice. See you on the internet.